All right, welcome to another episode of Middle School Music. I'm one of your co-hosts, Farhan Lalji, and with me, as always, is Dario DeWet. Dario, how you doing this morning? Um, good, thank you. We're almost at day thirty of uh, of self isolation. Hey, what day number? We're almost at day thirty. Well, considering we've been working from home for for so long. Yeah, I mean, I think like. Uh, some people were kind of self-isolating and kind of taking the isolation orders even before the government had kind of instrumented um, kind of the mandatory, you know, kind of work from home if you can um, order. So, you know, for us, it's been a little bit longer because uh, I think we're both kind of lucky enough to have like forward thinking employers who say, hey, guys, this is going to happen. Let's just head it off and start working from home a little bit earlier. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, how, how are you managing with everything going on? It's day 28, to be precise. Yeah, good. Uh, you know, they're obviously, I think we're lucky here in London so that we can at least walk around outside. Um, well, at least, should I say, do some exercise. And the weather's turning up. It looks, looks sunny this weekend, so we can, we can stare outside the window in frustration. <laughs> um, or at least get some fresh air. But, but all right, what about you? Yeah, you know, um, before we moved into this house, we were looking for uh, a flat or a house to rent. And um, I had a mandatory number of bathrooms criteria and my wife had a mandatory outdoor space criteria. And we both kind of were lucky enough to kind of get what we wanted. And I've never been more grateful that we have both of those things <laughs> right now. Uh, and how's, how's, uh, how's your music consumption been going uh, during this lockdown period? Well, for me, it's been, it's been pretty... Um... I mean, it hasn't really been affected. If anything, it's gone up because as you know, that's all I ever really do is just listen to music when I'm working, when I'm not working, whatever I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I listen to, what is kind of interesting though, based on the question is, is been listening to all sorts of things. I mean, if you look at it, basically, if somebody were to pull up my Spotify data, they'd be like, what's up with this guy? Listen to old <laughs> stuff, new stuff, this genre, that genre, like what's going on? What about you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, Bizarre and interesting in terms of how my behaviors have changed. Um, I think one of the major things that's impacted my listening is, um, you know, that time that I had by myself around the commute is no longer there, yeah. right? So I'm missing out, you know, kind of at least, you know, 40 minutes, if not more, a day of kind of prime music listening on my own um, time. So that stuff, it's starting to impact. And I think like even the types of podcasts and what I'm listening to, that's kind of adapted um, as well. So I think like I'm, I'm starting to kind of feel that I'm not necessarily getting as much access or getting as much time um, to listen to music. But hey, and that kind of leads us into to the one big topic we wanted to cover uh, today, right? Which is kind of behaviors and what's happening with streaming data and, and kind of the, the impact of that at a global level. Is that, is that basically kind of how you were thinking what we could cover this week? Spot on. So what is coronavirus or COVID-19 doing to affect music streaming numbers? Um, you know, we've seen Nielsen put a report out saying that staying put in our homes would lead to almost a 60% increase amount of content we watch. Hmm. Um, but remember, the emphasis there is on watch and, and not listen. And we've seen the effects of, of, of coronavirus on various chains of the music industry, from agents to songwriters, managers, contractors, and most importantly, artists themselves. Uh, you know, Farhan, you and I have discovered, kind of covered this extensively in the previous two episodes surrounding the effects of, on live events. Um, yeah. But 
it's really now starting to, to well, interesting patterns are starting to emerge in terms of music consumption itself. So Dario, can you tell us a little bit more about like how the agents, maybe the songwriters, the managers and contractors, like how these people are being effective? Because I think some of them are obvious, right? Like artists aren't able to tour, a lot of tour dates being canceled. How do you think kind of this lockdown situation is impacting like agents and songwriters um, and managers per se? Well, that's an interesting question. I think for, for various reasons when it comes to just booking new performances, when it comes to rollout strategies, or execution strategies, new album releases, um, the various uh, parties that are involved in ensuring that those are success, um, whether it be signing new talents or, or collaborating effectively. Now, I know that we have the power of technology to be able to do so, but it, becomes, it can become increasingly difficult in order to be able to ensure that that creative process is perfected by being in a studio together. Uh, we've also looked at the effects of all of these parties on the, on the live event space, which I think is particularly important because people tend to forget that live events aren't just about an artist and uh, the event organizer. There are many intermediaries in the way. Um, I think another, another aspect as well that I want to kind of touch on is on new music releases. Mm. Uh, and, and whether people are comfortable with releasing new content because we find that when you look at streaming numbers you'll find that uh, people have to, or listeners have traditionally um, been been consuming uh, older catalog content during this time as opposed to new content yeah that's that's been really fascinating i think both of you you and i were kind of like messaging last week that we didn't think kind of new music friday which typically like has a few standout tracks, but is pretty kind of deep at the top, at least. Um, we didn't think that it was that good. And I wonder if this is a more kind of long-term trend where in the same way that in other media, right? Like we're seeing Marvel movies and whatnot being pushed back until early parts of next year or later on this year. And I wonder if we're seeing the same thing with kind of artists hesitating to release new music just because they're not going to necessarily be able to tour. They're not necessarily going to be able to monetize it in the same way. And maybe there's some kind of like behaviors where people are kind of waiting to see what the impact is from a streaming perspective. And if they are able to kind of offset some of that lost revenue through streaming uptakes. And if that's not the case, I wonder if artists will be hesitant to release new music. Completely. I think it's great to see, I don't know. It's so interesting because I find some artists could turn around and use this time to be creative, but you know, it's very easy to sit and say, oh, you know, now that you've got more free time at home, you can make new music or put together a new album. There, there are many other aspects here that, that, that would affect a person's ability to be able to do so, uh, irrespective of your, your profession, in fact. Um, you know, this, this uh, pandemic is, is a serious issue, which, which everybody is affected by in one way, shape or form, and others more so um, than, than, than some. Um, or should I say yes. some more so than others. Um, I kind of want to just focus on, on the, the, the streaming numbers angle because you, you kind of found that catalog music, look, music streaming consumption has dropped. And I think largely to your point that you focused on is you don't have a commute in the morning anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, Spotify's prime time, which is typically when people could drive or walk to work or go to the gym, that doesn't happen anymore. You have uh, various members, if, if, or should I say people that, families that live together, you now, instead of having maybe, uh, you know, four people in a family, 
that all have separate Spotify accounts listening to music, it's now all kind of consolidated into one account or, or one device. And those listening preferences change because you have to account for different um, uh, kind of uh, music tastes or, or, or age or, or other factors involved in, in, in kind of the, the demographic of that family. Yeah, like, I mean, I can give you my personal kind of experience on that is we've taken the step of having a weekly family playlist. So every Sunday, everybody gets to put on 10 or so songs. And then we just hit that on shuffle when we're all together. Okay. Um, and so you can choose some new music, you can choose some old music, whatever it is. Um, and then we kind of say, okay, Fridays is going to be for new music. So we specifically set out a Friday is going to be, we're going to listen to new music Friday. We're going to listen to charts. And then Saturday and Sunday is old school days where mommy and daddy get to kind of choose the old school stuff that we're going to listen to. So, I, and that rhythm is hopefully going to kind of pay off, but you're absolutely right in terms of instead of my son listening on his own, when my daughter goes to ballet and my wife is commuting to and from work and I'm commuting to and from work, those are a lot of multiple streams off of, you know, one family network that uh, Spotify is no longer getting as a result of the current situation. It's a great plan. I like it. You know, you actually, you, you raise an interesting thought for me surrounding kind of the change in music preferences during this time. So, you know, I've, I've read that Spotify listeners are actually adding softer songs to their playlists. So kind mm -hmm. of more acoustic, less danceable and, and lower energy or, or the music may tend to be more instrumental or feature more instrumentals. And I don't know if that's because people are in a somber mood um, I would have thought maybe the contrary, people would have been more excited to kind of increasing their energy levels. I think something which is, is something we, maybe to drill down a bit is actually on, on the, con the, the concept of playlisting. Um, I know yeah. you and I were discussing this just before this, this, this recording. Yeah, I mean, I've seen an interesting behavior from a lot of my friends um, in the US and in Canada where they are kind of staying up to watch uh, live performances of DJs. I haven't seen that happening as much in Europe, but DJs like D-Nice um, are becoming really kind of prominent streamers on Instagram Live. And then you've got other kind of more niche or kind of, you know, kind of geographically focused uh, DJs. Uh, from my hometown, for example, in Toronto, you've got a DJ named Starting From Scratch who was on the come up when I was growing up and is still kind of a radio DJ. I mean, he's doing kind of a nightly mix um, every other night or so where people are kind of tuning in on Twitch and kind of seeing him that way. And I wonder if some of the stream kind of numbers are going down as a result of some of these behaviors. So people feel like they're getting their high energy, you know, kind of up, uplifting kind of beat or dance stuff through these kind of channels. And then they're leveraging kind of the length of the catalog or if I'm listening by myself or if I'm listening in more of a somber mood, then I'm going to use kind of the streaming networks to kind of pick an acoustic playlist. It's interesting you say that because I think when it comes to DJs or dance music, I know I used to have this problem like you'd go to a club back in that, you know, back 10 years ago, for example, and uh, kind of prior to, to streaming services really kicking off and DJ would play a cool track and you wouldn't really know what it was that they were playing and you'd have to write it out on your phone and then give them your phone. They'd probably ignore you and then they'd try and type it in and you'd f try to find that remix is very difficult. Um, I think a lot of the time, which is something that I don't think Spotify has perfected too well as it stands, is actually being able to get remixes of dance tracks. Or a lot of the time DJs would play no ID tracks, so it's difficult to determine, you know, what's been released and what hasn't. Um, yeah. totally. On, on, on the, the pop music side of things, they have found a relationship between kind of post live stream 
and, and, and uptake in terms of streams for that artist, which is something quite cool as well. Yeah, I mean, and I, I and I do think that this is impacting kind of the the streaming numbers, right? And it's interesting. I wonder if you can maybe tell people a little bit more about you know how these streams are also being measured because I think you were mentioning that there's some interesting behaviors um, and interesting kind of like patterns or interesting kind of steps that people like Spotify take in order and how they do their streaming counts. Yeah. So the most interesting fact, actually is that Spotify discounts streams as non-chart eligible if a user plays a track too many times in 24 hours. So I, like basically what it's saying is if you do weird things like, like I'm sure you did too, some of us, you know, you listen to a track and you think it's great, it flags on the system and, and actually doesn't count that as much when it comes to, to, to um, chart positions. And I don't know if that's a, a way of getting around kind of this, click farm thing which typically originated in China where people just loop songs um, uh, to try and, 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 and increase viewership or listenership. I don't know, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I wonder where the line is, right? Because you could kind of say that multiple streams, right, are happening as a result of, you know, kind of families, kind of, and, and I, I know that my son, for example, if he likes a track, he's gonna play it over and over again to try to kind of memorize the words. You know, and similarly, I used to do the same thing with taping off the radio and then going back and, you know, being able to, to say every word of a certain hip hop song. He's actually doing that with musicals. And right now it's like Dear Evan Hansen that he's kind of playing um, over and over again and kind of memorizing all the words for. And I, I'm really curious as to what impact that has on kind of the streaming numbers, because I think there's definitely something around protecting from click farms. But then there's also a fine line between kind of the click farm protection side and just Kind of typical user behavior that might be kind of age specific. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I mean, I wonder if that has an effect on the revenue side as well, because I stand to be corrected, but I think artists are remunerated after 30 seconds of a song is played. Um, but I, I assume the two probably hold a relationship together to try and prevent artists from trying to milk the system um, on, that, on that front. Uh, something which I read which I kind of find super fascinating is, is video on demand streaming surged around 7% um, in the, the week ending March 19th. Now, video on demand music streaming, AKA music videos. Do yep. we see a comeback of the music video in this climate? And uh, I mean, I love music videos, I don't know about you. Yeah, I, you know, like I was thinking about that when you were telling me that earlier, because I do wonder if some of that is just because of the revenue model and the customer experience, right? So it's much easier and it's almost impossible for me to kind of play YouTube in my car as I'm kind of going to work, but it's really easy for me to have a tablet or have the TV on and kind of connect that to my sound system and play, you know, kind of music that way at home. Um, so I wonder how much of that is music videos and how much of that is just kind of the availability from a free perspective and the ad revenue kind of for YouTube uh, being the one that kind of makes up how their business model works. And so I wonder if just like families being at home are kind of maybe even in there, there might even be some tightening of the belt and knowing that your Spotify um, account costs you more than your YouTube account. And if for right now, you know, you're just going to watch off of videos um, that makes it a lot easier and, and maybe people are being a little bit more cost conscious around how they spend with regards to music. Completely. Kind of raises another point where 
you find that, well, you still do find it, that some artists, take, take Lil Nas X with Old Town Road, you know, he signed to a label, then all of a sudden they put out this crazy expensive music video, which must have taken, uh, you know, a lot of, 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 of time to put out there. Um, and then you've got, you know, the other side of the coin where people are putting out TikToks and songs are blowing up in a matter of, what, 15 seconds? Mm. Um, so does that kind of change if we do see the reemergence or, or kind of... Uh, the spotlight coming back onto the music video space if we do see um, kind of a change in the way that music videos are produced and why. Yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, kind of, there'll probably be like a barbell, right? Like our our boss, uh, Sean Park, loves to kind of talk about barbells from a bond trading perspective. Yeah. Um, and I do think like even in the music industry, you're likely to kind of see uh, barbells um, when it comes to the type. So you'll probably see on one end, um, the up and coming, the kind of breakthrough artists, leveraging social media, leveraging kind of platforms to kind of gain um, traction. And on the other side, you'll probably see some high um, high cost or high production value mm-hmm. um, with some of the bigger name artists, right? It'll be interesting. We, we saw uh, uh, actually one of the largest or one of the biggest artists to drop new music um, was Drake um, over the last week. Yeah. And I don't believe there's a video yet, or at least I haven't seen it, of the new song. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see if, if he does release kind of a video and then what kind of production um, that has. I mean, I know the, the last kind of, or a few of the, the, the songs that he's done recently haven't had as high production value um, from a video perspective it'll be interesting and i think that's you know between him and people like john legend and others uh you know kendrick was another one that we've talked about in the past as you know big name artists that are having new music um that's going to come out over the summer or just before the summer it'll be really fascinating to see how they approach kind of the musical video or music video production side it's a good point like that kendrick uh release kind of seems to have just disappeared i see well, on, on the topic of Drake and Tootsie Roll, I, I believe there was a TikTok song. It's kind of well positioned for that as well. I think Hotline Bling would have been a great TikTok song as well if uh, if it was released now. Um, so That's true. Yeah, maybe, and I think, uh, you know, like even uh, Justin Bieber was trying to get Yummy to become a, a yes. TikTok song as well, right? So, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that some of these larger artists, larger name or big name artists will be kind of trying to leverage TikTok as well. But I just wonder how much of that is actually kind of produced TikToks, like, you know, almost pay to play. Yeah. Kind of some of these TikTok influencers to create TikTok videos and how much of it is actually organic. Yeah. Yeah. Have you used TikTok yet? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been experimenting. I haven't, I'm more of a consumer than I am a producer on TikTok right now. Um, You know, having a preteen daughter, uh, means that you know we're, she's definitely going to be on TikTok, and her friends are already on TikTok, and they're already talking about different TikTok videos. Um, so we're kind of like dipping our toe in to kind of make sure that the water is the right temperature before we kind of um, expose her or let her kind of use TikTok in a more um, you know kind of involved manner. Yeah, that's a good idea because it's it's quite deep. Um, but yeah. that's that's a that's a conversation for another another day. Um, oh, well, I mean, I guess you know. There's something that that kind of also used to focus on. Well, sorry, let me take a step back here. Um, you know, we've seen kind of playlists emerge from a trend perspective for Spotify, where people are focusing on cooking playlists or workout right. playlists or or housework theme playlists, really getting into the mood of what 
of what self-isolation or quarantine really is. Um, I was actually going through, so my, my, a friend of mine um, is responsible for kind of putting together two playlists, one a workout playlist and a cooking playlist. And um, it must be pretty damn challenging to be able to do that, especially on the cooking side, I won't lie. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of it really depends on your own kind of experience. I mean, you're, you're a bit of a, a workout guy, you know, a, a fanatic of sorts in terms of like taking care of yourself. Um, do you have like a specific playlist that you use for that activity? Actually, um, I actually made my own playlist. I call it The Shrine, um, which is pretty much just gangster rap. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'll like uh, fiddle with some of the, the Spotify playlists, but I don't really like a lot of the trap stuff. So you look at Get Turned or Rap Caviar. There's Beast Mode, which is actually quite cool because they take the, the sequencing is, is quite interesting and in that they, there's no, there are no gaps between the songs. So it's mixed quite well. The problem is it's not updated enough. But we were doing a comparison the other night where we were looking at one specific playlist and my playlist was completely different to my friends because obviously they choose a pool of, let's say, X thousand or hundred songs and based on the algorithm will determine what's best suited for you and your listening preferences. Yeah, I guess, you know, like I've been kind of, and I wonder if, you know, people who've got a vast kind of diverse kind of musical range or music taste, um, what their playlists are like in the comparison on that. I'm just looking at my morning run playlist and there's um, some Roots, there's some Wale, there's some Kendrick, there's some Sean Paul, but there's also, you know, some Ed Sheeran, there's also some uh, Megan Trainer um, and some some other kind of artists and um, you know a lot of these kind of DJs as well like DJ Snake and and Musamara as well is is on my playlist and I'm sure that you know none of those would be on yours and probably none of those would be on your friends' um, playlists as well and I guess you know we're kind of the the outliers on the bell curve yeah. right because he's probably producing or looking at kind of a large number or, you know, kind of, if you're trying to kind of do something to get popularity, it's very different to curating something for yourself. Completely. Uh, dude, you've, you've, it's actually quite funny because my playlist is the exact same. It's all over the show. Yeah. Um, sometimes you get one or two things that creep in and you're like, well, where did that come from? Uh, but I guess it's a good testament to how people's music preferences are no longer stuck in a box. Um, and, and, you know, and on the, the cooking note side of things, right? Like I wonder if, you know, how much of that is, you know, when you have that experience of cooking and you like one song and then, you know, one of the great things I love and actually my family all kind of love um, about Spotify is the ability to do song radio, right? So that kind of discoverability um, off the back of a song you like kind of leading you down into rabbit holes, yeah, yeah. right? I think a lot of that kind of goes into, okay, well, you know, like if I like this song while I'm cooking, right, am I going to like these other songs um, on that side? Um, so Dario, I mean, I think I, I wanted to kind of touch on, cause you've got some, some insight onto the playlist, onto the podcast side of things and us being a podcast, but also I've found that my podcast consumption is changing as well. Just, it feels like, you know, ours included, but almost every podcast is just talking about COVID um, and coronavirus. So it's really, really difficult to kind of escape and kind of get away from that. And I wonder if people are either kind of diving in or kind of totally avoiding um, the coronavirus talk. Um, you had some interesting insight on, on the podcast market. I wonder if you wanted to share some of that. Yeah, so people were initially listening to news podcasts a lot. <clears throat> um, typically, obviously, to, to cover COVID and, and people's concerns. I think now, considering 
the status or the global status of the pandemic and, and how people feel on a day to day being trapped up in their homes, they're probably trying to avoid that. So you started to see a drop off in actual consumption of news based podcasts. Overall, though, we have seen a drop in, in podcast listens. I think, again, it stems uh, from, from what you've mentioned regarding no longer having a commute or no longer um, being in the gym. Um, and, and that has, has repercussions overall. I think if you look at it on the other side, though, it's very much theme dependent uh, or category dependent because you'll have people listening to self-help podcasts or or something that may involve an, an activity which you can do at home. Maybe it's more involved on, on, on the side of lifestyle and health. But uh, that curiosity to really kind of get time to tick over in your in your mundane day-to-day kind of downtime per se, whether you, you know, aka your commute or whatever it may be, is gone. Um, and I think that because people are sitting with their thoughts more, they they... I don't know. It's difficult. Uh, we, you and I haven't really spoken about this again, kind of stemming back to that thing where, Oh, because you're at home, you should be, able, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. And you know, you, you're just lazy if you haven't spent your time doing this or doing that. And, and somebody could use that debate and say, well, you should be listening to podcasts to upskill yourself instead of listening to, I don't know, um, uh, Drake or whatever Drake. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, but I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts there? Well, I wonder, I mean, it's a bit of supply and demand, right? So on the demand side, um, you know, I can see people having more availability, but like you said, or like we've kind of covered earlier, you know, it might be some things around kind of cost. It might be some things around actually like what, what the podcast material is and people trying to kind of look for an escape. And, you know, it feels like every podcast is talking about this. So it's hard to get that escape. Like if I think about, you know, the coronavirus global update that the BBC has started to produce, that's come as a result of massively scaling back their other podcasts, right? So a lot of people who were working on other podcasts for the BBC have kind of shut down those podcasts for a limited period of time, hopefully, um, while they focus on kind of getting the nation kind of updates in that way. Um, and I know there's been, you know, kind of a lot less from, even though we've seen, uh, you know, kind of recent changes in the political landscape in the U.S. with um, Joe Biden now, as a result of late last night um, here in the UK being the official kind of democratic nominee, yeah. you know, I was thinking this morning when I went on for my run that I would see in my, you know, kind of thread or in my playlist kind of list, a whole bunch of like news podcasts around that. And really it's still around coronavirus. And, and that just might be kind of a little bit of a time lag. Um, but it was really interesting for me to kind of see on my personal podcast side, you know, I, I chose to kind of listen to, um, uh, Kara Swisher's uh, podcast with Scott Galloway, Scott Galloway on my run this morning, um, just because that kind of talks about tech and that's a sector that I like. And, you know, while they do kind of cover a lot of coronavirus stuff, they do kind of look at it from a tech lens. Um, I've kind of stayed away from things like Gimlet's uh, Science Versus and, you know, some of the other shows that go deep into the science part, because yeah. I just don't feel like I need that much insider information on it. I kind of know what I need to know, which is right now I need to stay home. Right. And, and it's like, I don't know how much more value I'm going to get from another podcast kind of talking about coronavirus around the science of it or around kind of the impact or how many deaths are occurring or if we're flattening the curve, like that stuff to me, I'm kind of, I just need a little bit of an injection of the news and then I'm going to stay away. And I don't necessarily feel the supply side is kind of meeting my, my personal demand 
on that. You've never really been a podcast listener though yourself, right? Like, I mean, are you kind of dipping your toe in? Look at me being <clears throat> all controversial, posting <laughs> a podcast without listening. No, I mean, it, it's very much um, select few yeah. that I listen to. Uh, I think it's also mood dependent. I find that I listen to a lot more because I listen to music a lot. I tend to use Spotify for my music. And then I actually like to watch podcasts on YouTube. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that makes much sense. No, um, totally. I mean, you know, people like Joe Budden and um, Joe, what's the other dude? Um, academics and all those people. No, no. The, the more popular podcasts, oh, right? Joe Budden, uh, nope. the pull up, pull up season by Joe Budden. And then he yeah, just exactly. his, his show as well. Yeah, and so those guys get like a lot of kind of live stream views. I mean, I think even um, Howard Stern uh, uses kind of the video uh, media yeah. alongside his kind of promotion on, on kind of mainstream digital radio um, as well. So, so we are seeing that kind of pick up as well. And it'll be interesting to see if that continues uh, to be a way people consume media. Like we were saying, like, you know, YouTube versus Spotify around the streaming side. Um, if people do move to a more of a video streaming side of things it'll be interesting to see if spotify does pivot um around that yeah, it's a pity that artists are paid far less on youtube so it makes it even more of a challenging time for them during this time because they're not making near as much money as they could have on spotify not to say that they were making a lot there anyway considering yeah. the streaming rates are so poor um but that's something we've spoken about before anyway. Yeah, uh, just to touch on that for any artists who, or any listeners who haven't, right? A lot of it will come down to kind of like finding alternative revenue channels, right? Because if your streaming revenue was just kind of like almost the marketing payoff for you to kind of make significant revenue off the back of live performances, and if live performances are going away, you're going to need to kind of find alternatives, right? And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of artists dipping their toe on the, the live streaming of, of kind of more intimate, and when I say intimate, I'm still talking about like a million people watching at the same time or so, you know, with kind of the, the, the stay at home kind of streaming stuff that's happening. It'll be interesting to see if more artists try to monetize that. Um, but we've talked about that in the past. Cheapest. Well, the complexities behind royalties and, and monetization on the back of that is a whole nother story. And I don't think the industry's even discovered how to, how to deal with that right now. Um, yeah. something I was reading over the week. Anyway, I mean, have you heard of any cool kind of music that's being released this week, uh, considering things have been relatively quiet? No, I mean, as I mentioned, kind of the, the only thing that kind of caught my eye was the, the 2C slide um, Drake track. Uh, actually, Frank Ocean um, released uh, a bunch yeah. of music as well. I, you know, like ever since Channel Orange, though, like I don't necessarily feel like I'm vibing with everything he's done. Like, I yeah. think, you know, he waited a good few years between kind of Channel Orange and, and Blonde. And now, you know, again, it's been a few years. And, you know, I don't necessarily feel like Frank Ocean, I don't know where he is from an emotional perspective or a music making perspective. But I'm kind of sad to say that, you know, kind of, I don't think he's touched anywhere near the level that Channel Orange um, was. Uh, otherwise, you know, kind of the weekend. Now I've been kind of trying to dig my, my head into the rest of the weekend's um, stuff. Uh, I've been, you know, for the last few months, as you know, a little bit, I've been, you know, digging kind of the reggaeton kind of Latin vibe. So, um, you know, there's a couple of artists, Carol G in particular, yeah. who's launched some, some new music as well. Um, so I've been listening to a bit of her. What about you? Well, it seems like from a new release perspective, as it stands this week, I think only Lady Gaga is really dropping tomorrow. That's on the, on the pop side of things. Um, 
from a, from a listening perspective for me, I'm just listening to Russ all the time. Uh, I really, I love Shake the Snow Globe. I think it's a great album. It's a perfect length. You can just replay it. I'm one of those guys who replays it too much in 24 hours and then he doesn't get the money. Um, yeah. Kind of also been fiddling with some of the old catalog sort of stuff as well. Um, whether it be kind of Limp Biscuit, for example. I don't know why. I was just like, like walking the other day and I thought, well, why don't I just listen to them? Um, they're not even, I don't even think they do anything anymore. They're last signed to what, Young Money in 2012 with Gold Cobra. Uh, listening to some Big Sean. Um, otherwise, not kind of flicking around here and there, some dance music with Fisher, a couple other things. But um, hopefully coming out of this, we'll see a storm of new music and everything will be thriving. And uh, I think people won't have enough money to be able to go to all these concerts. Well, I mean, it's really interesting to kind of see how things are going to evolve, right? Because I think if, you know, kind of the price points come down and it's more intimate and it's more live stream, you know, kind of watch at home type stuff, um, you know, then hopefully people will still participate and artists will still be able to to monetize that way. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think this is a, a pivotal time for the music industry and will be will be really, really interesting to see um, how things wrap up um, from from kind of like, you know, moving from, you know, I think the, you know, if you think about it historically, right, almost 100 years ago, going to the theater or going to a concert was really something of a rich kind of wealthy class um, kind of thing. And then it did become something that the masses were able to participate in somewhat, right? Now, whether that changes and becomes something again that only the wealthy can do. I mean, you know, we've all heard the stories of, you know, Beyonce being being paid high six, low seven kind of figures to maybe do a bar mitzvah or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if that becomes a thing again, um, or if it becomes something that, you know, kind of artists kind of choose to make music for the masses and do it over digital channels. Um, I'm really fascinated to kind of see how the music industry evolves and how, you know, kind of this will definitely impact uh, the music industry like it impacts almost every other industry as well. It's funny you say that kind of reminds me of uh, what our crystal ball episode for what we were expecting for 2020. I definitely don't think that this was on the cards, Um, but it wasn't for anybody. Um, Cool. Well, what? That's episode six of season two. Wow, man. We've we've done a lot of these podcasts. Uh, Keep please giving us feedback. Um, We are going to experiment over this period of time with some new formats and hopefully you'll, you'll like what you hear, but please do give us feedback rate. And, and kind of give us that feedback over, you know, our, our Twitter channels. You can find us on Twitter on at middle school underscore music. That's at MDL SKL underscore music. You can find me on Twitter at Farhan Lalji. And Dario, where can the good listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter on at Dario underscore Devet. All right. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Ciao. Right. Ciao.